Welcome in, everybody, to yet another edition of the Return of the War podcast. Myself, Chris Watkins, joining me as always, Frankie Cardicelli. Frank, how you doing, man? Chris, everybody live on the YouTube chat, anyone listening to this later on in a non-live yeah. format, happy Monday. Sacramento Kings lit the beam again in the rain, by the way. Did you see the pictures of the beam lit in the rain? It was kind of like Batman-esque. It was kind of yeah, pretty. Bro, that looks so clean. Like, uh, yeah, somebody posted. We were all wondering, like, with the with the morning game or the matinee game, the one o'clock game, could you light the beam during the day? Like, could you see it? And then, of course, it was like the worst weather we've had all year. Uh, so it was super gloomy, super cloudy, rainy. But it came out for a beautiful photo. Yeah, like the pictures of the beam, uh, I think it was on Saturday, were like immaculate. Like that's <laughs> – it looked like, you know, Sacramento was a was a big-time city there. It looked, looked pretty beautiful. Can't it's like lie. phone screensaver stuff. I think uh, Brendan right. <laughs> Nunez, our friend, he, we, we found a picture yesterday. I think it was one that Drew posted on Twitter today too. He said it's, it's like the hardest picture of the beam so far. I'm like, yeah, this is definitely like screensaver material. But – when Absolutely. the beam's getting lit as much as it's being lit, like lately, there's a lot of different. We're gonna have a bunch of different angles. You can yeah. get freaky with Whatever. your angles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. But uh, no, I'm I'm feeling good. Feeling good. Last night was a was a game that I think I talked about this morning on the morning show. Uh, second night of a back to back. It wasn't. It, wow. You're not really sure to feel going into a second night of a back to back. And I think after what we saw on Saturday, how the Kings completely just took it to the, the LA Clippers. We it was maybe a little, little bit of a letdown was expected, maybe not winning by 25, 30 points. But the Kings, uh, they came out, they got challenged and they came out on top. So I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. How about you? How did you enjoy last night's viewing experience? I know you did it at home. You did the yeah. post game recap. How was that viewing experience for you? It was great. I can't lie. Like uh, it was uh, I wish I was there. I had to take a day off eventually. And, and yesterday just so happened to be the day. But. I texted you after the game. The crowd seemed like it was on 12 last night. And typically, Chicago Bulls games are one of the the weird, like, surprising, whoa, there's a lot of Bulls fans here kind of games, you know, where it's like, oh, it's like a 50-50 split of Bulls-Kings fans. I noticed that uh, last and that's year. typically how it is. Right, so, yeah. Is that the Michael Jordan effect? Is that because the, bro, the 90s, it 100% they had kids. Like, they had, it's just like generations of Bulls fans are now just kind of infiltrating Northern California. I mean, because that's No, crazy. it really is. Yeah. They travel really, really well, and it's kind of always been like that. But it sounded like last night it was majority Kings fans. Well, it confused me, you know, because I'm writing down, taking a note or what have you. And, and there's a game where the, the crowd's kind of like, and last night was not split. Last night was a sellout crowd. It was very, very dominantly Kings fans. And you could tell late in the game that it was dominantly Kings yeah. fans. But the first ba- uh, basket of the game was an M1 from Zach Levine. And I was writing down a note and I heard the crowd cheer. I'm like, oh, what happened? And it was three zero bulls. So yeah. <laughs> it's uh, interesting in those games, how those situations happen. But I remember last year, more notably last year when the attendance was down. There was a sea of red at the game, and I think the Bulls fans yeah. kind of let them let Kings fans hear it on that 3-0 run in the first quarter, and that was pretty much it because the Kings <laughs> a sick they did, have a, <laughs> they did a sick 3-0 run running the game. But uh, yeah. yeah, man, it, it was a good environment, and I mean, it, it's it's something that the players have made a note of that this is different, and it's not like anywhere else in the league. And, and Malik Monk is getting his first chance to play for the Kings here uh, as a home player. Kevin Herter, who said he told uh, Keegan Murray. The other night against the Pacers, this just is not normal. A game in November feels like it's 
it's the first round of the NBA playoffs. So right. that's a, that's credit to Kings fans for making that kind of environment, but it's been huge. Yeah, absolutely. We should mention here, uh, you, you mentioned it a little bit at the top. We are live right now for all those who yes. are listening, uh, the podcast version, me and Frankie have decided to go live today. Uh, we are live on Sacktown sports, 1140 YouTube channel live on the Sacktown sports, 1140 Twitter account as well. Uh, for all those joining us now, feel free, please feel free to fill the chat uh, up with comments. We will uh, probably get to them at some point in today's episode. Uh, Also, if you're watching on YouTube, please be sure to hit the like button so that everybody who's looking for King's content right now, uh, whether you're working or chilling at home on this Monday, uh, can, can, uh, can watch this and uh, spread the good news. Um, Without further ado, let's kind of get into our topics here. Uh, You mentioned we we were talking about the crowd atmosphere uh, for that Bulls game. But we would be remiss to not mention the crowd atmosphere for that Indiana game. Uh, We haven't recorded since then. That was uh, last Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. The Indiana Pacers came back to town or came to town. And with that came the return of uh, James Johnson. First off, I feel like people are forgetting that James Johnson did make another return to Sacramento. The buzzer beater beater against the Knicks forever. You're Oh, you nailed it, Frank. Forever. Yes, Forever. absolutely. Real ones remember James Johnson, possibly the worst game winner I think I've ever seen. Horrible. Uh, or at least the most sloppy. Like Isaiah drove down the baseline. It was just terrible. It he, went like, off the side the of the backboard. Just, oh, just disgusting. He, he got his own rebound off the side of the backboard, and then he dished it out to John Salmons, who who I think he <laughs> caught. He, I think he might have missed. I don't know. James Johnson made his first three of the year at that point. King's legend. But yes, as you mentioned, back in the building. Yes, back in the building, James Johnson. But in all seriousness, it was the return of Tyrese Halliburton, uh, former Sacramento Kings point guard, former number 12 pick uh, in the 2020 NBA draft for the Sacramento Kings, as well as Buddy Heald, the Sacramento Kings all-time leading three-point shot maker, Buddy Heald. Uh, This title uh, of this live stream is I'm Not Your Friend, Buddy. That is, of course, a a reference to uh, South Park. Uh, I'm not your buddy guy. I'm not your guy friend. I'm not your friend, buddy. I'm not your buddy guy. Uh, For all those who don't know, please watch that clip. Nailed it. Uh, Yeah, I'm a big South Park guy. Um, But yeah, Buddy Heald, man, oh man, was it a rough return uh, for him in Sacramento. From the jump, while we should mention Tyrese Halliburton gets announced first, gets a standing ovation, cheers. That was totally expected. I mean, people love Tyrese. Even to this day, I think people uh, would have rather seen Tyrese Halliburton in a Kings uniform than, than De'Aaron Fox. So I, that was that was totally expected for me. I'm assuming you, you kind of expected the same for Tyrese. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that he's somebody that for sure has had some, some comments, which I know that that's been right. kind of the, the talk of. When right. is he going to stop talking about it? When is he going to stop having these comments about it? And uh, he, I, I think that the reception was still expected to be strong. Right. And when you look at the fact that he even opened up his his reintroductory, it wasn't a press conference, but it was his media availability by right. saying his con his comments have been taken out of context over the year, past year and a half or so, not year and a half, it's in February, right? It feels like it's been years. Over Dude, the past really, <laughs> this is seven like months, a long year, right? His, that his comments been taken out of context. Uh, he started with that to kind of throw maybe some water on any ill will, and yeah. it worked out because he got a standing ovation just seconds before Kings fans booed Buddy Heald, and it was the Marvin Bagley treatment, which we saw it about really a week was. and a half ago. Every time Buddy Heald touched the basketball last week, got booed. So that's a question I have for you. 
And it, it was a, a conversation that we were having, you know, that night, the media, we were all talking about if it was warranted or not. Was that warranted? Was the booing for Buddy Heald deserved? And if it was deserved, why? Yeah, I mean, I just don't understand. I've tried to I've tried to kind of, um, you know, get, get a gauge from from a couple Kings fans that I know in my life of of why they feel like Buddy Heald was booed. Uh, and really what, what I've gathered is it's, it's just, he didn't, I mean, you know, without he, buddy never came out in a press conference and said, I don't want to be here, but, uh, it was a majority of just like vibes essentially of, it felt like he wasn't giving his all. And, uh, you know, it really, that's it. It just felt like he wasn't giving his all and, uh, they felt like he didn't want to be there. But I mean, unless I'm mistaken, I don't ever remember buddy healed coming out and saying, I hate Sacramento or I'm glad to be gone or anything really to, to, to warrant booing. It was quite the opposite. I mean, even after the game, he said, Hey, I have nothing but respect for the organization and the fans. He said that he thought that the environment at goal, the one center was uh, the best he's ever heard it, which I, I think that's honestly maybe a little bit pandering to the fans, but I mean, he yeah. was a part of an 18, 19 team that had a, I'll say a similar, um, a similar kind of buzz to it, but th- nothing that met this level right now today, but he had some good comments to say after the game and said, I have nothing, you know, I have no ill will towards the Kings. No ill will. Yeah. I just like to play basketball. And that's pretty much who, who buddy Hilda always has been. But I will say that the booing probably comes from the fact that uh, there were some instances where he, I think it was mostly around the time where he got moved to the bench where Luke Walton moved him to the bench and Bogdan Bogdanovich was a starter. There was some comments he made and uh, some like behind the scenes things where comments as far as buddy healed take starting pretty, he takes to heart. Like I think he thinks it means something and it it does to him personally, it means something to him to be in the starting lineup. So he doesn't see himself really as a bench player. And I think he kind of went out on a, on a sour note. And we know that that trade with the Lakers fell through and he was pretty excited about becoming a Laker, <laughs> like in the Jersey edits on Instagram and stuff like that. So uh, when that happens, Buddy Heald, Marvin Bagley, they, they don't get the standing ovations that Tyrese Halliburton had. Yeah. I mean, I understand that there's nuance in every situation, but it just feels like a slippery slope. Like there was a long time where just being a former Sacramento King would get you cheered regardless it didn't even matter if you were good or what you know if you were okay like travis outlaw would get a standing ovation still probably still probably would still probably would uh you know jason thompson somebody who was not good by any stretch for the imagination but was with the kings for eight i mean is their all-time leading games played player you know like he's getting a standing ovation it's just weird to me that buddy who um, you know, served served admirably. If we want to act like this is like some military service, he definitely served his time. Uh, and to me, I mean, he he is the lead. You know, he was productive. Uh, for somebody who was traded for a star player and could have, you know, it could have been really sour. It could have been like a Marvin Bagley situation where it's like, okay, we kind of gave it all for this guy for this piece, and then he, you know, it's not like he sucked or was. Nick Stauskas or something like that and uh you know he he Stauskas. kind of turned his career around he was really having a rough uh stretch to start his career in New Orleans and then came to Sacramento and really found his game so um I don't quite understand and you know I'm I'm far from Buddy Heald's biggest supporter I did not enjoy watching him on the team I think he had his value but especially once he was getting paid 20 million dollars a year it was just like this guy is is anchoring our roster right now 
That's what so changed I understand everything. Those feel, yeah, one hundred percent. And I think that even was the start of like Buddy publicly starting to kind of sour. Yeah, sour a little bit. I remember he had that comment in the preseason where he was like, "No one has ever said, hey, I want to go to Sacramento." Remember, he was like, "No was free agent one. has ever been like." Oh yeah, like I'm, what I'm going to Sacramento. Really Who's the biggest? He, I think he literally said, "Who is the biggest free agent Sacramento no, has ever gotten?" He, he did. He and was in front it of was the, quiet. He was in front of the locker. Uh, the locker talking yeah. to the media, saying it was in the middle, the last preseason game, I think, when when they were negotiating. Yep. Yeah, he said, "Who's the last big free agent signed with Sacramento?" And I think he might have even named Vladi, who he was yeah. negotiating with for a contract. Yeah. So yep. yeah, that was when things definitely went bad. Like what a, what a tactic? Let's piss off the yep. fan base right before. <laughs> Before signing a yeah three year year deal yeah whatever it was yeah uh yeah so i mean that's that's really the only explanation i can find for for why buddy got booed but i thought that was very interesting i personally probably wouldn't have booed him uh but i you know i don't think i would have cheered him either but i i just thought it was interesting i mean to your point that you made earlier he got the marvin bagley treatment and and we know that mark the reasons why marvin bagley was booed uh, and, you know, it makes a lot more sense, in my opinion, why Marvin was booed for Buddy to get booed the entire game with the same level of relentlessness in the first and in the fourth. Uh, I mean, you know, I guess I guess big ups to the Kings fans who keep that same energy and like they they really did uh, keep that energy through the entire game. Like they they did not wane from from their boos at all. They were very confident in it. Uh, I think we should mention also in that game before we move on. I mean, that game feel at this point feels like it was a year ago. Also, it feels like it was so long ago. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton really struggled in that game. Uh, he finished with nine points, 10 assists, uh, but had two turnovers after going on a 40 consecutive turno- uh, turnoverless assist streak. Is yes. that how I would say it? 40, 40 consecutive assists without a turnover. Yes. Which I think uh, was a record into that game. Yes. An NBA record. Uh, Tyrese is leading the NBA in assists. Uh, I believe is also leading the league in assist to turnover ratio. So for the Kings to really bother him in that sense, I think uh, was the start of of the revelation, Frank, that this team is finally starting to play defense. Isn't isn't that a thing? Isn't that incredible? It's been uh, the one thing I think you and I, I think every Kings fan or any Kings show, anyone that's watching these games and talking about them has said, wow, the offense has been elite. I mean, they're a top five offense. The one thing that they needed to do was play defense. And they were a 24th, 25th ranked defensive rating team for most of this past month. That's not the case anymore. They are playing top 10 defense over the past 10, 10 to 12 games, I think. And uh, even when you look at last night's game, they're a garbage time layup away from holding their last two opponents under 100 points. So that is definitely noteworthy. But keeping Frank, tight, you know, sorry yeah, to cut you off. Good. You know Go where ahead. the Sacramento Kings rank right now in defensive rating? You mentioned that they they were 27th at one point. They were 24th uh, at the start of last week. Do you do you have a guess on where they are right now? I think I know, and I think it's above 15, or it's. Right they're at 15. 16. They are 0. 0.2 points away from uh, from 15th place. So they are quite literally league average on defense. Uh, defensive rating is obviously the the uh, per 100 possessions uh, stat. So it's just essentially how many points a team is on pace to score if they were to have 100 possessions in a ball game. Uh, and the Kings right now are 16th in their last seven games. Frank, they are third in the NBA in defensive rating. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Like the that Mike is Brown effect. Stuff. It's it is one hundred percent the Mike Brown effect. I've been talking. I've had to do a lot of shows this past weekend. Um, 
was it foolish for us to just kind of assume that this defense like the offense would just click immediately? I mean, it, it seems to just in hindsight, make a lot more sense that this was going to take time. Right. Yeah. I mean, even going back to the own four star, I think that this team has had the talent and has the staff. I mean, it's, it's the best staff that they've had in the best roster they've had in a very long time. And I think that what Mike Brown was saying in that own four start was patience. We have the capability to put ourselves where we want to be. And they did that on the offensive end and they won games. Mm -hmm. Then it became to the defense and we're seeing that kind of that slow climb toward respectability. And now they're there. I mean, if they go any higher, they're going to be that that's what a top three, top four team in in the conference or the league. I mean, if you're a top five offense and a top 10, 12 defense, those teams usually make it into the first, second round of the playoffs at the very least. So um, is it is it surprising to me with Mike Brown as the head coach? No, because wherever he has gone, even on teams that have been I mean, that have underperformed, I mean, even in a, a down year with Cleveland or with yep. the Lakers and his, that one lone season, they were average or above average defensive teams. And the Kings have guys on the roster who can play defense and guys that are even learning to play better defense. Demonis Sabonis is a guy who yep. I've been very impressed with. Uh, as far as holding his own on the defensive end, he was somebody that was getting just a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of flack early in in the season here where he was not able to guard his own shadow. And now Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't want to say he's a stopper, but he's not allowing. He thinks he's a stopper. He thinks he's a stopper. That's, that's one of the best quotes of that. DeMarcus. By the way, there's so many. (laughs) And what's the one we always say? Yes, man. Yes. Yes, man. Yes. That was all about Myers Leonard. I think too. Yes. Which is, I mean, whoa, DeMarcus ahead of his time on that. Yes. Got ahead of that one. But yeah. no, the defense, uh, as you said, they're they're currently uh, I, on basketball reference it has them as 14th. So the NBA and basketball reference must have different Ooh. metrics of defensive rating. But basketball reference has them as 14th in the NBA in defensive rating. Point is, they are average right now. They're top five yeah. in offense, and that spells success. And the Kings have Absolutely. obviously won three in a row. Yeah, and to your point, I think Domas has been uh, really incredible on the defensive end. Not not necessarily in the traditional sense of like, yeah, he's blocking four shots a game or something crazy like that. I just think Mike Brown early in the season, and I mentioned this last night on the recap show, but uh, Mike Brown shocked everybody. I think it was a week or two ago uh, when he compared Damanis Sabonis to Draymond Green uh, defensively. And it wasn't talking about Draymond's defensive ability or in comparison to Domas because Draymond is, is quite literally like an all-time great on the defensive end. Uh, but what he was specifically talking about was his communication ability. Uh, and, you know, for, for him to be, for Domon, Domonis Sabonis, who's over here, and Draymond Green, who's on the complete opposite end of the spectrum in terms of loudmouth talking for Domas and Draymond Green to somehow be uh, on the same level, according to Mike Brown, who coached Draymond Green the past six years in, in Golden State, for him to to make that comparison to me, it was, you know, it was it wasn't properly amplified in the moment because that I mean, that is that's a huge compliment. And how many times throughout the years uh, have we heard when when the team has been asked about their defensive woes? That what's the first thing they go to? Communication. It's always communication and effort. That's that is defense. All of these guys are supreme, world class athletes. They can all have the ability to stay in front of each other to for the most part, unless you're guarding Deer and Fox. And the thing that really separates good defenses from bad defenses is the communication between the guys and just the overall effort given. And Demonis has absolutely 
gotten an A plus in both of those things. His communication, he's kind of like he's he's in the back line, so he can see where everybody's going. He's communicating, letting people know where to switch, when to switch, uh, and when to fly out on shooters, all that stuff. But also, you know, he's not a natural shot blocker by any stretch of the imagination, and we've seen him struggle, especially with foul calls and just getting, you know, just trying to figure out the nuances of how to guard vertically. That's the um, one, but, that, you know, that's the biggest yeah. thing, not to cut you off. I'm saying no, it, that's, please. that's been the difference maker. It's, it's the fact that the foul trouble, when you look at last night's game against the bulls, Demonis Sabonis stays out of foul trouble. He's yep. not dominating offensively. He took four shots, made two of them. Still has a triple double, 17 rebounds. Yeah. He's, he's creating stops at the paint at the rim. And the last three games, Sabonis has had a defensive rating under a hundred, which I don't think any of us would think that was possible. But three straight games, defensive rating under a hundred, uh, incredible and like you said maybe he's not the i mean him and fox the communication aspect of the game you don't really need both of them to be that that impact of voice but when you have sabonis right now who is taking charge in that front and De'Aaron right now is kind of going through some some bumps some bruises going through some some illness you have a guy that can run the offense and be that voice right now and bring in the fact that he's a defensive he's not a defensive liability anymore that's just mm-hmm. a cherry on top so uh that that to me Staying on the floor for him was was huge the last couple of games. And when that happens, mm-hmm. good things happen. Yeah, I mean, his triple-double last night, the stats on that are incredible. The fact that he had 11 points, 17 rebounds, 10 assists on two of four from the field. Two of four from the field. And he still managed to get a triple-double, have that kind of impact everywhere else in the game. I mean, the, the dude is just incredible. Uh, is you know, is well worth the price of admission. Absolutely. If you haven't been able to go out and see the Sacramento Kings play basketball, please do yourself a favor now, and give yourself some. Now, time. one part of his game that we haven't talked about, and I know that Uh-oh. you really are excited to talk about this. Uh oh. Lethal shooter has had an impact on De- on Demonis Sabonis' three point shooting. Are we ready to say that? You, I know there was a tweet you put out. I don't want to talk about lethal shooter ever again. Yeah, I don't want to hear. I, I tweeted that out after the Golden State game. We were we were in Chase well, Center, and I was like, he had just aired like let's, his fourth three of the season. Let's look at it this way: over the past eleven games, Demonis Sabonis is shooting sixty percent from the three point line. Sixty percent. Before <laughs> that, I mean, the the math isn't that hard, but he, he's. Let's just say he was shooting not even ten percent from the, from three point line. Uh, he made from one to sixty. <laughs> yes, he went from from about seven eight percent to sixty percent. Uh, are you ready to kind of say okay, that's an aspect of Demonis's game that you feel confident in, or do you think this is kind of just that you no. still don't you don't believe in lethal shooter? You don't no, believe I do in not him. believe in lethal okay. shooter. I believe that uh, a his confidence right now. I mean, maybe maybe that could be the thing. I mean, that's that seems to be a, a really big difference with De'Aaron Fox right now is just his confidence from three uh, is at an all time high, and maybe Sabonis is going through a similar thing, but no, I mean he's shooting thirty four percent right now on the season. I expected to probably 37. Oh, after last night. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he give, had a couple last give night. Give the man so. his flowers. Give sorry, his sorry. Flowers. He is, he is officially above league average from three. I believe the league average, I checked it over the weekend, was 35.5% from three. So he is officially above a league average three-point shooter. You know, I, I I suspect he'll continue to take one a game, and then if he hits one, maybe take a second one. Uh, but I'm not expecting a DeMarcus Cousins-esque renaissance from from uh, from three here for, for DeMontis Sabonis. If he can hit it, great. 
I think that opens up a whole nother level for this offense that we haven't even seen yet, where the big has to come out on Domas, thus making his pick and roll, his two man game with, with Fox and Herder even more lethal, uh, no pun intended, but it's just, I mean, it, it good on him because yeah, he's made eight of his last 15, I think from three or something like that. Uh, so yes. Yeah. Something like that. Um, so, you know, if, again, if he continues to knock him down, I'm all for it. I just don't really suspect that he's, he's going to be routinely taking threes. I think what we've seen is, is he takes it when that defender is, you know, sagging off in the paint, anticipating him to run that pick and roll. Uh, and that's when he, he really seems to knock it down. And even that little elbow jumper, he he's kind of that little C web elbow jumper, you know, he's, he's, He's starting to take those a little bit more now, too. And, uh, you know, he, he said last night, I think it was last night, that uh, Vucevic was giving him that room. And he was like, I'm super comfortable hitting that. So I don't think it was hey, last night. It was a couple nights ago. But uh, I'll say yeah. this. First of all, Sabonis is if the All-Star team is put out today, he's on it. I mean, he's, he's got to be it, that. right? He's got to be the king's choice, right? I mean, when, when, you're, when you're averaging 16.7, 11 boards, Almost seven assists per game. You're shooting sixty percent from the field and thirty-seven from three. You're you're on the squad. You're on the yeah. team. And yeah, there, and he doesn't have much competition either, right? No, the uh, that's what we're. I think we were talking about it the other day. How uh, De'Aaron's gonna have a harder time to get him because there's so many good guards in the West. But as far as big men go, I mean, Carl uh, Anthony Towns is hurt right now. Then you have Anthony Davis is who's going mm-hmm. nuclear right now. You have yeah. Lori Markinen, who's been decent for Utah. I mean, uh, there are some other names on that list, obviously, that I'm not going to name right now, but uh, Simone's yeah, sure. on the list. But when you look at the fact that he has done what he's done around the, the rim, 80% around the rim, he's 75 for 93 at the rim. Uh, he's three of from 3 to 10 feet, 49%. Then you look at the mid-range. He is from 16 to three-point line, 47%, and then three-point shot, 37 So he's he's not just knocking down shots. Only he's not a rim runner. He's not just a rim runner and, and a guy that's a, a lob threat, anything like that. He's doing it in a bunch of different ways. The shot looks better. Last year, that was kind of when the trade went down. Mm-hmm. I think uh, he wasn't really having a great go from beyond the arc. And now that's obviously changed. But mm-hmm. if he can be that kind of maybe you could pick and pop guy sometimes. And I know that mid range is kind of a, a dead aspect of basketball yeah. today. Yeah. <laughs> but like you said, the Chris Weber mid range, that used to be like my favorite shot. Seeing Chris Weber get set yeah. up for a 15 to 16 footer was, was a, an exciting thing back in the day. But um, and I don't think Sabonis is a guy who's going to force it. He's not going to, you know, come down pull up and, and shoot a three or shoot a mid range yeah. jumper. But uh, if it's there, it's there. I mean, De'Aaron Fox, we've seen defenses closing on him while he's going into the paint. I think opposing defenses know that they need to seal off the paint and, and take him out of that, that aspect. But if Sabonis is there and has some room, I think I feel comfortable letting him shoot it. I know I, you don't want him to be, become DeMarcus and and take five to six three-point field goal attempts per game, but um, takes one or two per game. I can live with that. Yeah. No, I can absolutely live with it for sure, especially, you know, even when he wasn't hitting it, it was kind of like, you know, you do have to take it. You're wide open. And and again, like if he can, (laughs) if he can be reliable or, or league average from that spot, it opens up a lot for this Kings offense. And, you know, I'm, 
uh, more power to him if he wants to take a, if he wants to take two a game go ahead i just don't see you know like remember when demarcus was first uh nailing threes they seem to always at least twice a game run like that trailer three where he would just mm-hmm. kind of trail the play and they would you know, especially Rondo would just kind of flick it back to him and he would take it in the first Ron, 15 Rondo seconds like, of a possession. Rondo would throw a balance pass between his legs behind him while he's, yeah, <laughs> right. and then just have his hand out like this going to the basket. Um, shout out shout Jill. Out Jill Adge in the chat. Dude. Jill Adge, absolutely. Weber was money from the elbow. Yes. Absolutely. Ab- let's let's absolutely. highlight some of this. Jill Adge, Weber absolutely. was money from the elbow. That was like signature C-Web shot right there. That's like, his shot was so ugly, too. He would just, like, put it all it's, the way up here and just flick it. Uh, it is seared not, into my not brain. Quite the same shooting. Maybe coaches, ugly to, uh, to some, but beautiful to me. Same with Kevin Let, Martin's shot. Yes. Ugly to oh some. Beautiful. Maybe not beautiful to me, but it was it was fun. No, not beautiful. Right. Also, Tyrese's. I mean, I, I've I had some bad takes on Tyrese's jump shot. That, those, <sighs> that, that shot was not pretty at they all. They said it wouldn't translate. Yes, <laughs> that tweet was directly at me. He might as well have added me when he said some said the shot wouldn't translate. I also yeah. kind of want to talk about this. I have been thinking about this a lot. <clears throat> Shout out Chase uh, in the in the YouTube chat here says early call for Mike Brown coach of the year. Monk for six man of the year. Fox and Sabonis, both all star teams. We just kind of talked about Fox and Sabonis's all star cases. But I do. And there there is an award that I think uh, Chase left out there. Uh, early call for Mike Brown, coach of the year. I mean, right now he's got to be the front runner, right? Oh, absolutely. And especially with the fact that I think those awards kind of come down to, to cred around, around the league. Yeah. I mean, Mike Brown has a lot of friends around the NBA. So, um, and we've seen I, 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 just about every coach has came out post game, especially after the Kings hand it to them. Every coach has came out and been like, that's Mike. Like this team is playing like a Mike Brown team. So, okay. They, just, they, they nailed the hire. I mean, so far, Monty McNair, I just, it's something that I think, I won't say it's been forgotten, Mike Brown's impact. I know that there are people are looking at uh, what Sabonis has done, what Fox has done, Malik Monk, uh, Kevin Herter's great start to the season, who he struggled a little bit, but all these moves that have been made and, and the players that are out there putting the ball um, in the basket more than the guys that are kind of putting things in, into motion on the sidelines. But Mike Brown, the hire, I think that it was a huge topic of discussion in the offseason. And I think there was a lot of questions surrounding the the validity of that hire and, and the the questions surrounding would it be enough for a culture change? And I can say definitively, yeah. the culture has been changed. Yes. The, the culture 100%. now to last year is night and day, 180, whatever you want to say. But it's completely different and it's showing on the floor. And when you, it's kind of a funny thing. Turns out when you have good chemistry, it does turn into wins because the Kings have had poor chemistry for a while now. And here we are on what is it, November, December 5th, and the Kings are fifth in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. So uh, Mike Brown's had a huge hand in that. And I know that the, the defense was the selling point when he was hired. The Kings have been a bad defensive team for 20 years. Bring Mike Brown in, who's a defensive mind, that will change. Well, it's starting to change, but the add on is the fact that the Kings now have a top five offense. So it's just been all good for Mike Brown. The players love him. The fans love him. The ovation that he gets each night during the opening intros is something that uh, I've never seen. And especially it's it's new because we heard a lot of right. the, the, <laughs> the Luke. Uh, like three straight years of when our coach gets announced, just boo. And like they're not saying. It's like, like no, no, they're saying Luke. But like, they, no, they, they, they just aren't. They, they yeah. just uh, I, I would be you know, the the other contenders for coach of the year are probably Joe Missoula in, in Boston and 
you know, I guess maybe Willie Green in New Orleans. Uh, you know, it kind of depends how the Western Conference is going to end up shaking out. But I think uh, Mike Brown is absolutely in the conversation. And if you put money on him in the preseason, you're probably uh, looking and feeling pretty good. Uh, also mentioned in there is Malik Monk, six man of the year. Uh, I, should I should I put my foot on the table? Is that what you should I? Oh, yeah. She socks. I got socks on. <laughs> I got socks on. I got Malik socks Monk. on. Six man of the year. He deserves to be in contention. I mean, I don't even think you need to take your shoe off in order for that to be a, a credible statement. Um, you know, there, there's the traditional six man of the year with, with Jordan Clarkson and Kevin Love and people like that. But I, I think at the moment right now, uh, Malik Monk, especially that also kind of being a narrative award. I think Malik Monk, uh, especially if the Kings, you know, continue this pace, will will be at the forefront of that award yeah, race. Th- now. That, now, that's an award that usually comes down to. I think it matters if your team is winning or not. If, am I correct? Yes, Cause absolutely. I know that I think, yeah, absolutely. I think on, um, I think Tim, uh, Tim Maxwell had a good point that Benedict Matherin is right now the front runner for that award Ooh, yeah, and rookie sure. of the year. But yeah. if the Pacers fall off, which after the West coast trip, they went on, they definitely have had a, um, they've been brought back to reality to quote the, yeah. the Marcus brought back to reality. Real <laughs> yeah. Quick. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They brought back to reality. A little that bit. Rant. That, that, we might need to play that just every episode. I'm going to play it to end it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we're going to go out on, on the words of DeMarcus yeah. Cousins. Okay. Got to. Uh, <laughs> if, if Benedict Matherin and the, and the Pacers fall off, I think, yeah, Malik Monk absolutely deserves consideration. And the fact that the Kings right now are in contention for a playoff spot, I think that he, if you kind of factor that in, who is going to be there in the postseason hunt, yeah, I mean, Malik Monk definitely deserves to be considered. But um, as we know, there's a lot of season left, so we can't sit here and say, oh, <laughs> I mean, maybe right. you never know. I don't want to. I don't want to put some bad vibes out there. But just hope things are going forward, and the awards will right. come. The accolades will come if this team is successful. If this continues, Absolutely. there will there will be some. I'm saying accolades plural. There will be plural yes. awards, honors, you yes. name it, for the Sacramento Kings. Absolutely. And the thing that Chase did not mention in this that I absolutely want to mention, and this is probably, in my opinion, the most likely award winner, Marty McNair, Executive of the Year. Who else really took a swing like Monty did and really tried to change their roster and had it work to the success that Monty McNair did? I mean, you look at the teams that are the best in the league right now, Boston, they pretty much stood pat with the exception of the whole coaching thing that went on. Uh, Milwaukee is pretty much the same roster as last year. Cleveland is pretty much building off the momentum of last year. Those are the top teams in the East. In the West, Phoenix is pretty much the same as last year. New Orleans didn't have too much of a turnover. Denver, same. Uh, uh, Grizzlies, same. And then you've got the Kings, who really last year were, you know, we all know they're a perennial loser. And uh, for Monty McNair to bring in Malik Monk, to have the cojones to pull off the Sabonis trade, to bring in Kevin Herter, and draft Keegan Murray, who... You know, you and I especially was not super high on the draft pick. I think a lot of people, if you would have pulled them, would have said, take Jaden Ivey. Monty McNair has done this his way. And I think, you know, for the most part, he wasn't doubted too much. But there was definitely questions on, is this thing going to work? Especially when you talk about the Sabonis trade. But to me, Monty McNair has to be the clear the clear front runner for, for executive of the year. On a contract year too. I mean, forget the talk about <laughs> about your your favorite player Harrison Barnes on a on a right. contract year. <laughs> Monty, Mc, Monty McNair is on a contract year, and, and if there was an All Star team for executives, he'd be he'd have to be the leading vote getter right now. And that also is a, a like a comment that we probably should like well not a comment but a, a storyline we should probably address is uh Sam Amick of the Athletic was on with with our guys Jason Ross and 
Carmichael Dave last week and said that he feels it's a matter of time for the Kings and, and Monty hammer out a contract extension. And to me, it's just kind of like, what more do you need to see if, if you're the Kings? I mean, what more do you need to see? I mean, they've checked, he's checked every box. Like you said, Keegan Murray hasn't come out and been a rookie of the year type player right now, but mm-hmm. he doesn't really need to be. And that's something that I think that is a, a point of emphasis. He's not going to come out and no. we can't say, Oh, that was a bad pick or anything because he's struggled a little bit as a, first year rookie 20 games right. in his career it's a good pick for this team you see the flashes you see what kevin herter is when he's on you see what malik monk is you see the depth that he has provided this team with and the fact that it's so valuable to me that monty mcnair has made a roster constructed a roster that you don't need De'Aaron fox to score 30 35 points in order for the kings to win which has been right and that that goes back to even it's deeply rooted the kings have needed their star player to go off every night in order to have a chance to win. The DeMarcus Cousins days were always full of those, um, those quote-unquote empty calorie performances where people would say, okay, well, Boogie had 37 and 15, but the Kings lost by nine. That's not the case anymore. De'Aaron Fox right now no. is is going through a little bit of a struggle. Demonis Sabonis is playing like an all-star, sure, but it's, it's not coming in the same way. It's coming in different ways. Other guys are picking up the slack. Kevin Herter, who has struggled, I'm sure he will turn a corner soon. Malik Monk has been their the Kings probably best offensive player over the past two weeks. Yep. You have guys at the bench taking steps forward uh, who may or may not have been here this year if it wasn't for McNair choosing to pick up options. Chemezi Metu has been a difference maker in the second unit. Davion Mitchell has been uh, a leading guard in that backup unit. There's all these things that kind of go in to this narrative that the Kings are a, a squad. They have a team, right. not just a couple of guys that can beat you. They have a whole team that can beat you. And that's all credit to Monty. Absolutely. And to, 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 you know, point to the, to the depth of this team, they've had three in, in these, in this three game win streak right here, they've had three consecutive games where seven players have finished in double figures to speak to your point of, of they don't need De'Aaron Fox, who is struggling right now and is playing his worst basketball of the season. And the team is arguably playing their best. Um, I don't think that that's a reflection on De'Aaron Fox at all. I just think, it, to your point, it, it speaks to the depth of this team. And that's something that I've been talking about when games really start to matter, a la playoffs. It makes you incredibly hard to game plan for, especially, I mean, on a nightly basis, it must be a nightmare. I, I can't imagine what you think, um, you know, if, if you're just coming in to game plan against the Kings on a one-off game. That's already tough enough with the amount of depth and the amount of scores they have. But when games really start to matter – you can try and take out De'Aaron Fox. You can, if I think the real key is if you can take out Demonis Sabonis, that's when this team will probably start to get into some flux. But, um, you know, if you shut down De'Aaron Fox or you say, we're not going to allow Kevin Herter to go off from three, that's fine. Malik Monk, he can create offense all by himself at the rim or from three. Terrence Davis, we've seen have explosive nights. You can get a random 15-point Trey Lyles night every so often, you know? This team just has so many different – and then, you know, you mentioned my guy, HB. If he wants to show up for, for big games, that would be that would be huge for this team as well. Keegan Murray What's the quote, Chris? might get things going. What's the Harrison Frank, Barnes Go ahead quote? and drop it. Drop it, son. Drop it. When, when Harrison Barnes plays well, the yep. Sacramento Kings play well. That's a quote we've been yep. saying for two years now, and it rings true this year. They're 7-1 and one when HB scores 15 or more. Yep. 
Yep, absolutely. And so, you know, this team just, it has so many different options. They're incredibly lethal. And if they can start defending on an incredibly, you know, not even on a high level, but, you know, get nights where they have, uh, you know, a, a top tier defense like they've had these past couple stretches of uh, this, these, bleh, excuse my talking, these, this stretch of games, holy crap. Uh, if they can play elite defense like they have for this stretch of games, they can shoot poorly like they really they they have not been a good a great offensive team uh, for this recent stretch of games here. They there have actually been uh, pretty dare I say pretty bad offensively or at least inefficient uh, offensively, especially compared to the blistering start that they got off to this season. They have just so many different ways of winning games, and I think we're kind of just starting to see it. I mean, they haven't scored 125 points in a while here. Yeah, I mean, and they shot, I think, 30% from three last night. I mean, the three-point shooting has been top five this season, and Mm -hmm. Kevin Herter was a huge part of that. And when he's struggling, I I think he's shooting – I have to pull it up. I think he's shooting in the 20s uh, percent over the past couple of games from three, maybe less. (laughs) Maybe He was one of 11 last night, but – when you when you win a game where you shoot thirty percent from three, it's huge. It's it's huge because the Kings have been so almost one dimensional uh, in recent memory. As far as they have the offense, they have the scores, they have the ability to to outscore a lot of opponents, but they don't have the ability to stop a lot of opponents. And that's kind of a thing that has set them aside from being a postseason or a postseason con- postseason team or a postseason contender and a, a bottom feeder. And they've been in the bottom of the West for well since I've been I don't know. Like, I don't know, (laughs) before I could get a learner's permit, since before I get a learner's, before I was even a teenager. So uh, it's a huge, huge component of the team's success. The fact that they are not just relying on their offense and just trying to outscore everybody every night there, which you have, you have to outscore the other team to win the game. That's a little fun. That is, uh, that is true. Yeah. That is true. And that, that is, that is how it goes. You have to uh, score more. More points, yeah, more points than the other team in order to um to get a win. I'll, I'll have to night. I'll have to look into that a little more, but yeah, uh, they're also focusing on sources. picking up. I'll check my sources. But they're also focusing on picking up stops, and that has yep. been a priority for Mike Brown. It's a priority for this team. They care. They care defensively. They're buying in players like De'Aaron Fox, like you said, who have gotten a lot of criticism over the years for being a minus defender. This is the best he's ever looked defensively. This is the best I've ever mm-hmm. seen the Montezuma Bonos look defensively. Yeah. Uh, even Harrison Barnes, who's been a, a bad defender for a year or so now, he looks like he's picking up his end of things. And Keegan Murray, who might not come out and score 20 points a night, but he has some he's had some impressive defensive sequences last night. Nice block there uh, late in the game. So um, positive stuff, positive stuff. Yeah. It feels weird. It feels weird to me that <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry. Now I'm just kind of getting on it. It feels to me this yesterday and I was dead. <laughs> what that I was that it's a, almost like boring yeah, during be, the clip. Yeah. And I was talking to James Ham uh, about this last night too. I said because I asked him, you know, you've you've been around this team for a while, and uh, I, I mean, I don't know if they've been that successful while he's been around. But I said, no. what does it feel like to, or does, does it feel normal going to a game and saying, wow, this is boring because the Kings are up by thirty points in the second quarter, and it almost felt that way. It feels guilty for me to say it. It feels guilty because <laughs> I'm en- I'm enjoying it, but it's like, wow, we are. <laughs> We are just completely beating the hell out of this team. Right. And I'm ready for the next one. Like, dude, let's get on to Chicago. That's my thought yep. process on Saturday. But it's a strange time, isn't it? No, I, I completely agree with you. I think, like, it's just now – I've just now reached that point where it's like, 
you know, in the past, you, you, we would look at the the schedule and be like, oh, like maybe we can compete on that night. Maybe we can. Oh, the the Pistons. We should be able to win that one. No, full knowing that there's a good chance, just as equal of a chance that we lose that game in an embarrassing fashion and get more upset than ever. Uh, now you can realistically look at the schedule and you do have a good feeling about how the game's going to go. And, you know, even you look at, you know, even prime example, you don't have to look far on Wednesday. This team plays Milwaukee. And then on Friday, this team plays Cleveland. Those are two really, really tough games, but realistically we've seen we've we saw them beat cleveland they have the formula it's going to be tough to beat cleveland two times in a season but you look at milwaukee yeah milwaukee's an incredibly tough matchup Mm -hmm. they're great defensively they have length they have size they have experience all things that the kings don't really have but the kings have fared incredibly well so far this season when going against teams that have that same those same attributes i mean cleveland we saw them take care of orlando was supposed to be a tough game it was a tough game um, but the kings managed to deal with that size it's weird but for whatever reason i feel incredibly optimistic about the kings going against good teams not necessarily that they're going to beat them but at least that they'll have a good showing and it'll be something to build off of and and you know maybe just maybe they will pull off some wins. I keep quoting De'Aaron Fox, who said this earlier in the season, good teams beat good teams. It happens all of the time. And I think we can officially say now the Sacramento Kings are a good team. It's just a matter of how good they're going to be. Yeah, I, I'm way past the point of saying, oh, maybe, they, maybe they're good. Maybe they're um, – no, they're, they're yeah. a good team. I think if, if, if they're healthy, health plays a huge role. That's what I was talking about this morning with Dave and Jason – if the Kings stay healthy and it's not realistic to expect a team to come in and, and have all your star players play 82 games, it's not going to happen. The Kings are going to have to deal with some adversity down the line. And that's where I think they're going to prove their true, the true, like the, how good this team really is, is going to be proven when they have to play a game without De'Aaron Fox and Amonis Sabonis or one or the other, but they are coming into a, a stretch here, a six game road trip. I think that Four of these next six are against teams that are very good defensively. I think that. Oh, I was going to uh, say, yeah, five of them are, are play in teams at the moment. Yes. Uh, Milwaukee. They play five straight play in teams, actually. Yeah, you have Milwaukee, Cleveland, the Knicks, the 76ers, the Raptors, and the Pistons. That's a pretty tough stretch. I mean, the Kings mm-hmm. have had Especially troubles all on in the road. They've had troubles in, at, at the Garden. Uh, Philly has Embiid back, and he. I think that James Harden is nearing a return, if I'm not mistaken. He's nearing, I, yeah, well, he, he's not supposed to play, but we, as we saw with John Morant and as we almost saw with Kawhi and Paul George, people just, you, you always say it, people magically find the, uh, the healing fountain right before they play the Kings. It always seems like people are making their return against us. It's a great time. It's a, it's a great get right. Well, that's the thing. People <laughs> viewed it that way, though. They viewed it as a get right scenario in in coming back from injury that's not the case anymore maybe that's why Ty Lue and and the Clippers staff said let's let's hold off on throwing Paul George and and Kawhi Leonard out there against the Kings team that just is is beating everybody into the ground offensively maybe we shouldn't challenge them that defensively yet but uh, you look at this this road trip six games what are you happy with are you happy with the split are you happy I mean do you want them to do just continue the run and come home five and one or four and two, or are you happy with the split here? Just to go five through on game right by now. game. You're right. They are five and five on the road for the season. Milwaukee's going to be tough. They are just getting Middleton back. They lost to the Lakers the other day. I think it's possible, but I, 
I just I can't remember the last time the Kings beat a, a Giannis led Bucks team. I, I feel like Giannis is a matchup nightmare for ninety five percent of the NBA. Uh, I, I just I have a tough time imagining the Kings beating the Bucks on the road, but I'm more than willing to be surprised. Uh, so I, I've chucked that one as an L. I th- like I said, I think it's going to be tough to beat Cleveland two times in a season. Um, again, on the road, that feels like a tough one. That's probably an L. And then it kind of you know opens up a little bit. That's where uh, you play the Knicks next. Uh, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but uh, it's the Knicks after that. That I that feels like it should be a dub. Um, the Kings are a better team than the Knicks. The Knicks don't have a lot of offensive scoring power. I feel like the Kings could, that could be one of those games where the Kings just decide to play offense and, and run them off the floor. I could see that Sixers without Harden is another tough one, but I do think the Kings actually weirdly match up pretty well with Philadelphia. I'll give that one a dub Toronto. Toronto's tough because they have all six, nine players. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I feel like a split is is you're hopeful for a split, but, uh, you know, realistically, if they go two and four on the road trip, I I think it's not the end of the world. I gotta be honest. I'm looking at Toronto as a game that I'm very intrigued about. They have a top 10 defense or eighth Nick nurses. Guys are a good defensive team. That's coming on the heels of playing a fourth ranked defensive team in Philly. So you have two games there where you're playing legitimate defensive defenders. And that's something that the Kings have. They've, they've played some decent teams to this point, but, I still feel like they're faced. They're like waiting for that really big test, and this road trip has a yeah. lot of those games. As far as, far as mm-hmm. yeah, Milwaukee, Cleveland, it's just it's a very good kind of measuring stick of where they're at. And if they come home two and four, I'm not going to overreact. I think that's fine. I think they come home two and four. If they go on a five game skid, that's or six game skid. That's the only time where I'm going to be completely depleted, devastated. But um, anything can happen on any given night in the NBA. We all know that. But this team is playing well. And even looking at the losses the Kings have had over the past couple of weeks, they lose to Atlanta, the Celtics, and the Suns. Each of those games, the Kings were in that in it. I mean, the Atlanta game we talked about before, they were down by seven with the whole quarter left, and they couldn't score for four minutes. Boston, they had a six-point lead going into the fourth, or about to go into the fourth, and then Peyton Pritchard and Luke Cornett went, went crazy. <laughs> and then the last one was Phoenix, and the Kings play a very good Suns team and take them down the wire. So, uh yep. The, the Kings haven't had many games this year where they've gotten completely beaten and emphatically beaten. So if that can happen on this road trip, they can go out and compete and maybe they win some of these games. Maybe they fall mm-hmm. short, but 500 to me is, is uh that's my goal. That's my realistic yeah. goal or realistic goal. Um, being greedy. I'm going to say four and two, but nothing beneath 500. They, they, they should come home right. 500. They they are good enough to be a 500 basketball team. You're saying 500 like three and three on the trip, not 500 yeah. overall, right? No, no, right. not not right. not in that. No, that would be <laughs> that would be Just making sure. That would be disappointing. Just making sure. Yeah. Uh, but the, you know, to that point, I think this is why it's so important to win that back to back that they just had. You know, I, I keep saying this, but stack days was the mantra of last year. Stacking wins is incredibly important for this Kings team right now especially getting these wins against teams that they just need to take care of the Pistons, the Hornets, those, those type of teams of the world, you know, you need to get those dubs because when you do go through these rough patches of playing five Eastern conference playoff teams, uh, I think when they come back from the road trip, they have a back to back against the nuggets. You know, when you play tough teams, you're going to lose sometimes it's just, it's going to happen. And so that's why it's important to just have that cushion uh, because, again, the Kings aren't aren't aiming for a two or three seed. Uh, they're, they're just trying to 
get in the playoffs, you know, worst, I think at this case, worst case scenario, slide into the play-in game. Uh, and in order to do that, you're just going to have to keep your head above 500 or around 500. Uh, and that's why you need to kind of stack up these wins. Uh, if you don't mind, Frank, I'd like to uh, go to the comment section. We're starting to get a ton of comments in yes. here as people are piling yes. in. Naveen says Malik Monk for two years, 19 million was the steal of the offseason. Absolutely. I've been thinking about this a lot. Buddy Heald, we talked about earlier, is making $21 million this year. Just Buddy Heald himself. If you add Kevin Herter and Malik Monk's contracts together, so that is the shooting guard position currently for the Sacramento Kings, makes $23 million this year you are paying for that position. So would you rather have Buddy Heald or Kevin Herter and Malik Monk? Is that a real question? Yeah, exactly. Is that, is that, a, is that uh, a real question? Again, pointing to the expertise of Monty McNair, who has done an absolutely incredible job, not just mm. creating uh, a, a beautiful, seamlessly, you know, interchangeable roster, but uh, also has has done incredibly well on the business side of things, uh, signing Malik Monk to the mid-level exception. Great stuff there. This is my favorite comment uh, from our guy, Trent V. Thompson. Shout Trent. out, Trent. Recognizing me and Frank both have on... I have on a uh, Sacramento Monarchs dry fit long sleeve. Frank has on a that's like a, a mid two thousands Sacramento yeah, so Kings. What, when I work for, when I work for the team, they were uh, cleaning out the old um, practice practice facility, yes, and absolutely. there were some of these shirts just laying in a bin. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not really. A, I'm trying to get into long sleeve tees and right. long sleeve shirts. I really enjoy them, and I'm I'm enjoying this one a lot too. But um, yeah. It's funny how we both kind of pop on here, and I, I see you. I'm like, for a second, I thought you were wearing the same shirt I was. I thought it was the same shirt. Embarrassing. Yeah, Embarrassing. that would have been really – You have, like, all the Monarchs gear, though. You have a lot of Monarchs gear. I do. Do you know where I got it from? Very similar story. Uh, Sacramento Kings – some might actually get really angry at me for this, but Sacramento Kings on the uh, on the Arco demolition – or not the demolition, but the goodbye party mm-hmm. thing that they had. Uh, they had, like, a massive – everything must go garage sale kind of thing where they weren't selling it. They literally just had boxes on boxes on boxes on boxes of just stuff that they had, you know, I'm sure like much like where you got yours, they just had it left in there. They probably were planning to give it out to community or sell it or just never got sold. And so they were just giving it out. And every single Monarchs thing I saw, I took and I grabbed, this is like, a hu- this thing is huge. This is like a double XL. This is why I have to have a sweatshirt under Over the sweatshirt. Like, it's style all the way down. It's huge. Um, but yeah, I absolutely had to grab it. And it's definitely to your, to what you were saying earlier. It's one of my favorite uh, things. Like this is, I love the long sleeve aspect of it and uh, strife it. So it's really nice. So shout out Trent. You're my guy, Trent. Uh, shout out Trent. Also, shout out. Congratulations, Trent, who is uh, getting married. Very, what? very soon. I believe uh, Trent. the start of next year is getting married. Uh, very excited for that. So shout out Trent, uh, our guy, Trent Thompson. Former Yuba City Parks and Recreation <laughs> basketball legend. Trent yes. Thompson, oh, name. Trent's got a clean jump shot. Don't get yes. me started on Trent's jump shot. I haven't forgotten. Uh, I haven't forgotten. <laughs> Trent is that guy. Uh, let's see here. Other comments. Uh, Sacktone says we need a 500 road trip. Absolutely. We just talked yes. about that a little bit. Uh, incredibly important for the Kings to pick up some wins on the road trip. If they can beat the Knicks, Tyler says Knicks Raptors 76ers without Harden, it'll be a good trip. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, 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 I think Frank, you make a good point. The Raptors game does make me nervous. Just the fact that I think 
the Raptors have the coaching advantage, and that's no slight to Mike Brown. I think Nick Nurse is is a top two, three coach in this league right now. Uh, they have an incredibly balanced roster. A lot mm-hmm. of guys who are six seven to six nine. Uh, all skilled, all very rangy, long defenders. They have length. They have yeah, length. Uh, I just feel like they're going to bother the Kings, and uh, it's it's going to be interesting. That'll be a game where I was talking earlier how the Kings just have all of these different options that you can throw offensively. The Raptors are going to be a good test to, okay, how good is that third, fourth option? Because they're they're definitely going to gain – they're going to scheme something up to, uh, to, to make the Kings uh, make the Kings nervous. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> uh, this just makes me think of uh, your comment the other day. The Murray twins are late bloomers. Keegan will still be improving five years from now. Um, you know, probably Keegan is 22, 23 yep. at this point. He is an older yeah. rookie, so uh, he is a little bit later in his development stage. How, uh, how about his uh, the brotherly rivalry? Yes, how <laughs> Chris Murray at, at Iowa has a 31-20 game. And I asked Keegan, I said, hey, how do you, you feel about your brother You know that night he had? He's like, well, you know, I have more. Like it was, I, I scored 37 well, uh, in a game. Yeah. That's like, how he started. He was, You're like, so, yeah. Keegan, uh, how about your brother's 30-20 game? He goes, yeah. <laughs> and I had a lot of Iowa fans saying, too, like getting Keegan to smile is like a, a right. accomplishment. Even Bro, last it was night a huge the game, accomplishment. Lighting the beam last night, he was yeah. he looked like it was the happiest I've ever seen him last night. Love good for it. Keegan. Smile yeah, a little right. bit. Love to see. I know. Come on, man. Like this is this is great. And he's starting to play well too. To Keegan's credit, he he definitely was struggling in the month of November, and uh, it's good to see him find his game. Uh, and slowly, you know, he he he, you know, it wasn't that he wasn't shooting. I just think he wasn't pressing. Uh, to kind of get back into the rhythm of things. He was definitely still taking shots in the rhythm of things, but uh, managed to to figure out how to get himself going again. And, uh, you know, it's it's hard to tell if Keegan's down or happy based off of his emotionless face, but uh, good to see that he didn't get too down on himself after after really struggling. He's not pressing. Uh, that's huge. I mean, the fact that he's not pressing, just playing within himself, playing within his game. Uh, let's see. There's, there's here. one here uh, from from uh, from Ray Smooth about uh, how does Paul's recent play affect bench rotations for Trey Lyles and TD? Oh, I definitely I think it definitely makes things it makes things interesting. It makes things very yeah. interesting to me. I mean, I'm I'm not sure. I've been very pleased with how Casey Paul has been playing and the fact that he is that kind of impactful defender the the team has been looking for. Um, Trey Lyles has missed a couple of games due to illness. I think mm-hmm. he was a, I believe he was available last night and just got a DNPCD. Yeah. Uh, TD also had some back, uh, some back issues. And I think that Mike Brown went a little bit of a shortened rotation, but um, I think it definitely does have an impact. I think it will cut into, I think it cut into Trey Lyle's minutes. Uh, I don't know if you feel the same way or not, Chris, but I think that that's something that will probably happen. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Just KZ's just how they use KZ in general. We really haven't had much of a feel for when Mike is going to go to him or not. It feels like it was random when he, inserted him back into the lineup and you know it was random when he took him out of the lineup in the I mean he went from starter to you're not playing at all and then kind of was given 10 minutes and then 20 minutes and then we've kind of seen him fall to like 10 to 15 minutes now he's settled into but I agree with you completely I've I've actually really enjoyed KZ's minutes he's he's an excellent just such a good defender you can put him out there and it seems like Mike recently has been putting Davion in with KZ Okpala 
And when you do that, you're just saying, here's some, here's some dogs that I'm just going to throw at you. And they're just going to pester your two bet, your, your leading ball handler and whoever your best scoring forward is, uh, are just going to have an absolute tough time for the next five, 10 minutes. Um, I've loved to see that, especially I used, I've been talking all season about how KZ has the Mo Harkless dilemma where it's, you want to play him for his defense, but you can't play him because of his offense. I don't know about you, but I've been pretty impressed with KZ's offense these past couple games. No. Yeah. I mean, he had a little scoop and score last night, a little spin move Ooh, to the, to the hoop. I, I was like, see that. Oh, like, okay. Hold on. It was like the shack, the shack, uh, the shack meme. Uh, yeah. like, I have to I'm apologize. I'm familiar with your game. <laughs> I wasn't familiar, was familiar with your game. So that's what I was kind of thinking last yeah. night. Was, oh, yeah. I'm familiar with your game. <laughs> Oh, so man, that is funny. Yeah, I mean, that's that's big stuff from KZ. Like the fact that, you know, I've been talking how he has to be a three point shooter if he's going to be on the floor um, just because, you know, he, he can't clog the lane. But I mean, if he's going to pull out moves like that and if, if he has that in his bag, I'm not expecting him to be a spinning dervish every night. But um, that's that's how Malik or Malik. That's how uh, KZ is going to stay on the floor. Absolutely. And uh, I've been I've been impressed. I, th- I would love to see him stay on the floor. Um, but to this, to this comment, Ray Smooth's point, um, where do you see Trey Lyles kind of falling into things here? Do you think like he, he can, do you think that they can both play at the same time? Because Mike has been pretty solid in his nine man rotation here where it's been Trey Lyles and, and not KZ. Do you think he maybe extends it to 10 people earlier in the season? He said, you know, he hopes to get to nine and a half, I think was the number that he said he wanted. Nine, nine and a half. That would be kind of disturbing if it was a half a person. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, but, the, the bottom half of KZ. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that there's a very, uh, I think that Mike would like to keep his rotation more thin than as far as yeah. expanding it to, to 10, 11 people. But um, it might be one or the other right now. I think we're going to see a little more KZ than Trey Lyles. It might be a matchup basis. I mean, if you need to have someone to go out there and get you some buckets, Trey Lyles could be re-implemented back into the lineup. But uh, defense is kind of reigning supreme right now. It's it's atop the list. Casey Paula, you have no better defender uh, other than Davion Mitchell, of course. But those are your top two defenders. And Casey's earned minutes. I mean, that's the thing about basketball. It's beautiful as you can yep. in any sport, really. But in basketball, there is the ability to earn minutes. And Casey yep. Paula has earned those minutes. I mean, yep. uh, the rotation has been so set in stone over the past year or so. But uh, we will see some changes throughout the season, especially when the team is successful. Yep. They're not changes that are being made because things aren't working. They're being changed because they are working. So that's the exciting part. Yep. I'm curious what you think uh, about this. That makes me think just real quick. Um, is there a pot? What? Eh, not is there a possibility? Real quick for Maybe, baseball fans. Trey Turner to sign with the Phillies. Just want to trade Trey Lyles with the Phillies. Trey, Trey Lyles is gone. Ever, ladies and gentlemen, Trey Lyles has switched sports and is Frank is, is like, so if anyone nervous cares. Right now. <laughs> if anyone so cares, I want Aaron Judge watch Yankee guy. Uh, think about eleven <laughs> years, three hundred million. My goodness! <laughs> oh my goodness! Get the bag, Yo, I guess. everybody. We're Sorry, playing the to... wrong sport. Me and Frank need to get off this mic right now and start swinging a baseball bat. Eleven told... years, three hundred million dollars so he's back with uh bryce harper the the nationals boys are back together and then juan soto's a free agent in a in a i think year yeah uh sack tones i'm sorry and anybody listening that is very upset i uh grew up a new york yankees fan not a 27 rings guy but uh i (laughs) i grew up a yankees fan i can back it up with the knowledge 
Uh, yes, he is. But Hank yeah, is anyways, legit, we, as legit as they come. Sorry, did you uh, have thought? My, and then my question was, you, yes, my question was, yes. What, what should we do? What I was gonna say, uh, awards after after this thought. Absolutely. Yes. 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 Yeah. yes. Uh, what do you think it would take for Rashawn Holmes to get minutes again? You you mentioned about earning minutes. It seems like Rashawn's only minutes at this moment are coming in in garbage time. Does it feel like there's any hope for Rashawn to get in the lineup, or is it just kind of going to be one of those things where he he's kind of doomed on the bench until somebody maybe picks up an injury? I think knock that that's what wood. it is. They're they're an injury away. I think they're an injury yeah. away. Knock on knock on wood. Um, injury away, and I think that if if one of Sabonis or or Metu go down, I think it's going to come down to Holmes, and he's somebody that uh, he's out there getting his work in pregame every night. He's out there at practice getting reps in. He's still working. Um, obviously for maybe for the Kings, but also for the fact that an opportunity could come at any time. He is somebody mm-hmm. that probably uh, Monty McNair is looking to move. And uh, it's an unfortunate ending to the home story in Sacramento. He was someone who mm-hmm. was so beloved by the fan base, somebody who had uh, a, a great impact in some of the, those games yeah. there, uh, those exciting Kings teams um, in the uh, well, exciting Kings teams, but exciting days <laughs> of exciting. those seasons. <laughs> yeah. The best relatively seasons, it was exciting. <laughs> the best days of those seasons normally included a Rashawn Holmes like 15, 10 games with, right. with, with two blocks. And, mm-hmm. and he's somebody that for shots. sure, yeah, I, I think it's time for him to go on to a, a different situation. It's time for him to be, yeah. I think he's a starting caliber center uh, and Absolutely. he's someone who's great in pick and rolls. And, and Damana Sabonis is someone who can have that two-man game in pick and rolls, but uh, Sabonis also like likes to have the ball in his hands and likes to create offense in the block. So uh that's just not Rashawn Holmes' game, and I think that it would take yep. a, uh, it would definitely take an injury for him to get back in the rotation because Chemezi Metu has a stronghold on that role right now, and he's been doing yeah. a good job. Just as a thought experiment, I I talked about this last night on the recap show as well. If if Sabonis were to go down, we'll just for for knocking on wood's sake, we'll just say for two games, maybe for we'll say we'll say a week, just because it might make a little more sense for the context. Do you think it makes sense to start Rashawn Holmes instead of starting Chemezi Metu in that case? Just because I feel like, in, in my opinion, my logic, and I'll, it'll give you some time to think about it, I just think Rashawn is just a – we've seen him be a starting center and what that means for Rashawn, you know, what it does for his game. And he's just he hasn't been able to figure it out on the bench. And I just personally feel like Mezzi as a starter doesn't quite do the same thing as Mezzi the reserve and it just feels like Rashawn would be better suited for that starting role. What are your thoughts on that? It would be definitely something I, I wouldn't – I could see it happening in previous uh, head coaching regimes, but I think that Mike right. Brown is definitely going to stick with the the guys that have been kind of – I don't know. I, I'd be pretty surprised if it's all of a sudden there's Rashawn back in the right. – that'd be very surprising, I think, as far as like repetition's important and the guys yeah. that have already been playing a lot. I mean, to kind of thrust somebody who hasn't played in a while, like real minutes, <laughs> um, into a starting role – That'd be that'd be tough, um, but yeah, I, I definitely I definitely think that right now Rashawn is on the outside looking in. What are you laughing at the YouTube comments? This, this comment by Saz right here: If Sabonis goes down, we tank for women. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Just has me dead. It's it's great that we can laugh about that. <laughs> yes. In yes. the past, it would have been it w- that would have probably been a whole segment of if somebody goes down realistically is it not in this team's best interest to just try and get uh, a generational no, talent that's been the conversation for too many years not that this is the year, beauty not this that, year that's the beauty of how good this roster is right now i mean right god forbid demonis bonus goes down for a long period of time but if he does 
the Kings have guys that obviously are not Demonis Sabonis, but they have enough players to fill uh, to fill the whole gap as best as they can. And that to me is still a right. a pretty good basketball team. I mean, it would take a it would take a pretty big you know again I'm gonna knock on wood until my table breaks. It would take a pretty big uh, flurry of injuries to put the Kings in a yeah. place where I would feel bad about them. And uh, right. of course that can change at any time. But right now they're right. playing very good basketball, the best basketball I've ever seen. In my life, I'm 28. I don't right. know, 27, Chris. We are not. We. That's like the sad thing about. I, I saw on Twitter how there is a generation of Kings fans that have never seen them win, ever. And mm-hmm. people are saying they don't know. Kings fans don't know how to act with the beam and and all other stuff. It's like, hey, <laughs> you, there's gosh there's a lot darn of right. Fans. We don't know how to act. We literally do not know how to act. Fans don't know how to act because they literally do not know how to act because they were two years old the last time the kings played right. meaningful basketball so i talk yeah. about this all the time uh and i could be wrong but it the math works out to me you and i as you mentioned 27 28 years old we were i was i'll just say myself was six in the 2001 2002 season uh i was a kid i remember it i didn't i don't remember watching every single game i remember the big shot bob shot um, I remember God, like all of that, like it was day. yesterday. I don't think I fully was able to compartmentalize like the implications of it and what it meant, but I absolutely remember that series. I remember the next year or the 2003, 2004 season when Weber went down against the Mavericks. I remember that, but then, you know, the Kevin Martin year, I, I remember as well. I remember Kevin Martin hitting the layup against the Spurs and then the drought begins. And that's 16 years from 2006 till now where this team hasn't won and to your point that's a bunch of kids who didn't see the kings and have no reason to root for the kings it's not cool as a child as a kid in middle school in elementary school and we're talking really really young now but to root for the kings and the problem is you know who was incredibly cool to root for during that time the dudes across the bay and so I just feel like there's a huge generation of fans that live in Sacramento that aren't Kings fans. Like they lost a whole generation of fans to a team not far away from here that was the biggest team in the world. Like the like and that's not a stretch. Like the Warriors were international. They are global superstars. Steph Curry made them that way. Kevin Durant especially as well. And so yeah, like there's a huge section of Kings fans who just have, I mean, I I guess it doesn't really tie in directly to um, what you're saying about us not knowing how to act now, but there's just a huge generation of Kings fans, especially young fans that don't exist. And with them winning now, I hope, I hope that people are starting to flip because I mean, not only kids, but how many adults do you see around Sacramento who are casual basketball fans that are just like yeah i love steph curry and they're so fun to watch like there's a lot of people who who hopefully the kings are now starting to flip those people but uh that's just a random thought no, it's, that it's, I um, people people are engaged and it's very exciting and it reminds me of um you know uh when the giants were really <laughs> good and it's and the kings being successful in november and november december i am not comparing to the giants winning three world series in the 2010s but all, all my friends are Giants fans, and right. it just is fun to have people talking about a team that they're all collectively interested in. And right. my friend group is now talking about the Kings for the first time in forever. Even so, it's the fact aside that I work for the team or I've covered the team, they have never talked about them more than they have right now. 
and even people that are just on the outside that I've seen or, or family members or people that didn't care before care now. And it's just the fact that the Kings are a, a competitive team that are winning games. It injects an excitement into the fan base, the community. And yeah, fans are excited right now. So people on from outside markets that are, are ridiculing the fan base for chanting light the beam with two minutes left. Hey, you're gonna have to deal with it. It's been 16 yeah. years. People are, are, they have a lot, a lot of frustrations and excitement they want to yep. let out. So let them let yep. it out. Cause you never know when a bad switch is going to come. And yep. uh, right and we're, now we're going to be obnoxious is, until then. Yes. It is earned. It's warranted. Should we do mm-hmm. awards or do you want to do any more comments? No, I think I'm, uh, I'm good. Let's see if, the, I mean, yeah, I can check the comments here. Oh, how about this? This is, this is such a nice comment. Wow. Look at this. Andrew, shout out, Andrew. I enjoy the fresh perspective from new blood. Look at us being new blood Kings media. You guys are doing a good job. Thank you. Andrew. Thank you. Appreciate Thank you. Andrew. It. Thank you. So Thank you. It means a lot. Uh, we will let's keep it up. We'll try to keep it here. Let's see here. Uh, if Steph gets holy moly, what does Fox get? Yes, I just saw that. He had Fox in around. He did have a show on YouTube that he would post weekly for a little bit, but he, I think he kind of outgrew that. But that was kind of that's a good name, Fox and around. That was fun. Right, foxing around. I think he had one with Shump where they like played horse or something. Uh, yeah, that was fun. Uh, enjoyed that. Uh, yeah, let's get on to awards and then we'll uh, we'll get on out of here. Uh, we actually have some work to do uh, after yes. this. So <laughs> uh, awards. We for those who have not heard us before every week on the show. Well, we try to do it every week. We like to give out uh, our awards. We have our King of the Week. And we have our uh, uh, Coke machine of the week, which is uh, in remembrance of the time when George. I feel like every single time we do this, I have to explain it. Yeah, but, but this is a new uh, audience. Carl, been... Yeah, exactly. Right. George yeah. Carl, uh, at one point, uh, I believe Derek Williams had 10 rebounds in a game. And uh, George Carl's response to it was even a Coke machine. You could put a Coke machine out there and even he would get 10 rebounds. That's so, gotta be the most disrespectful thing ever said about a player yeah, about on your one own of your team. own players, bro. It's <laughs> just an absolutely wild, wild guy. A Coke uh, machine can grab a couple of rebounds. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we All love right. that. We love to remember that. And uh, also, shout say, out uh, hi, shout out Simone. Hi, Simone in the chat. Simone has entered the chat. Simonk. 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 She likes to be called Simonk. Um, Chris, is it your uh, turn for an award first? Or did you go yes, first last we'll week? We'll do. Yeah, uh, I think. I went second last week. Um, and my okay. award, uh, my award is going to be for Malik Monk, who has just been incredible off the bench. Uh, three of his last four games, he's had 20 plus points. He had a 30 point performance. Um, was that against Phoenix? I don't have his stats in front of me. I know um, I'm just, this is off memory here. Uh, he had a 20 point performance last night, a 20 point performance against the Pacers, and I believe a 30 point performance against the Suns. I could be getting that wrong, but I do know that it's three of the last four nights he has finished with 20 plus points. Um, Malik, his ball handling, his his playmaking has been absolutely spectacular. Last night felt like he was energized on a different level and was really just trying to show out the entire game. Uh, I don't think we've had a player that flashy maybe since J-Will? Yeah. I mean, the hang time on his, the hang his hang time, time is crazy. Finishing. The assists—it's—he's averaging a career high in assists per game, by the way. If it feels like he's having a big year passing the ball, he is. He's averaging a career mm-hmm. high, I believe it's right under five assists per game. 
And yep. that's huge to me that they have a guard off the bench. Gavion Mitchell was someone who averaged almost four, four and a half assists per game last year too. But you have two guys off the bench now that can get you four or five assists. And the way that Malik's yep. doing it is very exciting. Yep. So, uh, yeah, Malik is my choice. Yep, that's it. Okay, that's it. That's all. Uh, mine, king of the week, is DeMontis Sabonis. Over the past four games for Domas, 15.8 points per game, 10.3 boards, 8.3 assists, one block. Chris, he is shooting 73% from the field. And your favorite, 71% <laughs> from three. Quick side note, yep. also 88% from the free throw line. The free throws have also come Ooh. around for, for Domas. That's big time. I think he's up to he's up to 75% this year, which is above his, his career mark. I mean, he's been the Kings, in my opinion, their most valuable player this year. Like I said, if there was an all-star team named tomorrow, he would be on it. I think that that is pretty mm-hmm. – I do think that he is going to be on the all-star team. I hate to yep. – I don't want to like be definitive, but I think he's on the all-star team. Somebody who's been there before. Uh, his, his impact as a distributor, his impact as somebody who can get – points in the paint uh the fact that he's not knocking down jumpers he's literally doing everything the right way the foul trouble still is an issue i think he's still third or top five in fouls per game hope we can get a handle on that i think the game against the clippers he might have had a monstrous night if he didn't get into foul trouble uh, but right now he is just getting it done every night so he's my king of the week Traditionally, when we do the uh, Coke machine of the week, it's meant to be like a real diss on somebody like they're actually I mean, traditionally, the Kings have been bad. And so there have been people who play poorly and deserve to be uh, recognized for their poor play. The Kings are playing so well right now. It feels wrong to to bestow a, a, a essential garbage can of the week to anybody. But if I can do it to anybody, I feel comfortable doing it to the best player who if if this is what Deer and Fox's garbage can or Coke machine looks like, it's still a pretty decent player. I just think De'Aaron yes. hasn't quite been himself these past couple games. Um, and, you know, I've been kind of thinking about why that could be. It doesn't seem like he's – we haven't seen any physical ailment. He's not limping around. We haven't seen him on the injury report at all. Um, nothing has really changed in that sense. And so instead of, you know, saying something is wrong with him or he's moping or something, I just kind of feel like I'm going to maybe I'm being uh, way too optimistic about the entire team. But I just feel like De'Aaron is, is allowing other people to shine. It feels like, you know, traditionally, if if he were to go out there and really force his, you know, go ISO on a lot of occasion, um, which this team does need him to do. You know, they they have their offense. They run things through Domas. But there are times when it is just like, no, Darren, go. Go go to the rim. Do your thing. I think he's just kind of taken that portion out of his game a little bit. Um, and he's just allowing the ball to be. He sees that Malik is playing well. He sees Domas is playing well. He's just letting other people eat. Um, and that's, that's, that's the logic I'm going to go with. I'm not going to say De'Aaron Fox is playing poorly. I'm just going to say that he's allowing his teammates to shine. You're making, Again, like, I've been yeah, watching a lot of Ted Lasso, so I'm I've, I'm very much on the on the team hype right now. He's Ted Lasso the dream work. He, right. he held a team meeting. De'Aaron held a team meeting and said, "You know what, guys? I'm gonna just spread the love a little bit and let you guys right. have some shine." That's kind of right. exactly what happened. Um, exactly. No, I think De'Aaron. De'Aaron uh, I wouldn't even. I'm not concerned with his play at all. I think that he is is no, uh, he's not, not forcing. Definitely not. He. He's getting his ba- his baskets when he he really needs them. Like he said, mm-hmm. he can get a shot whenever he wants. He had a couple of shots last night where he went right into the paint, had a couple of pump fakes, got a bucket. Uh, he's not having those 30-point games, but he is doing right. things 
Uh, he's rebounding better than he's ever rebounded in his career. He's averaging over five boards per game right now, um, which is, a, I think, a right. rebound better than his career high last year. Um, he's still distributing the basketball. He he is finding ways to get in the paint. He's just not knocking down as many mid-range and, and those shots we've seen him take. He's just not being as aggressive because he was battling some uh, some physical ailments. He was he was pretty sick. Um, I know he was pretty sick for a, a couple of days there, but he he played through a couple of those uh, those tough days. Trey Lyles also was somebody who was under the weather. A bug bit the Kings. Uh, but yeah, a couple of days off here. Kings have a road trip. We'll see if he can bounce mm-hmm. back. But yeah, I'm not concerned about Fox's play at all. Um, Do you have a cooker shoot? Yes. And again, for somebody who is playing so well to begin the season and who still is having a good season in the numbers, uh, I'm not going to sit here and say Kevin Herter has been bad. I mean, but had the season. He's been bad over the past couple of games. Past five games, 40% from the field, 13% from three. Uh, last night, he was 111 from three. It was a rough go, and it was a night, I think, that he really did try to shoot through it, and that's something that he said before. I mean, there's no other way to get through a slump. You have to shoot through right. it, shoot through it, and it just didn't work out. So um, Kevin Herter, somebody, again, I'm not concerned about it. It's it's funny looking at these awards this time about how we don't have to sit here and say we are concerned about either of these players. They're right. going through a rough stretch, which happens in sports, but once upon a time there were some players we would name that uh, this were – legitimately bad so yeah uh, this different. was almost renamed the Corey joseph memorial award so that 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 speaks to uh the previous quality yes. of this award that we would give out you, um also it should be mentioned Corey, for kevin go ahead go ahead you go ahead uh, i was just gonna say on the kevin herter front uh he was shooting an unrealistic uh percentage to 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 retain yeah. throughout the season he was yeah. shooting above 50 percent from three yes. throughout the season that and was that was just not going to continue so this is just kind of like a natural regression to 42 yes. percent oh it's a market correction it's a market correction right. and I'm, I'm i'm i think it's it's pretty simple that it's it's not realistic to shoot 50 percent from three absolutely uh yep got anything else no, this was fun. Uh, everybody that was was in fun. here in the YouTube chat, uh, it was fun. I think we should probably start doing this fun. more regularly. I think, I think so. we're, we've t- we've talked about doing the YouTube aspect, and it's something yeah. we've been working on. Uh, in studio, would be fun if we can figure that out. But yes. if not, I'm down to it's do this once a week. If, if everybody else in here is cool with us coming on, uh, absolutely each week, maybe once or twice. Who knows? See how wild things get with the Kings. Uh, yeah. I'm down to come on. I always talk with with my pal Chris any of you guys my guy so yeah uh so yeah if if y'all like this uh like this format like this nice this timing i feel like we have a good window here uh where nobody else in, is locally on so uh put if you guys like this please put it on at work uh we can work. just be background noise i'm totally okay with that as long as you're 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 checked in so uh, thank you so much, everyone in the chat for joining us. Be sure to hit that like button. Also, be sure to hit that subscribe button as well. Uh, it lets our bosses know that you love us and we're doing a great job. So that's be much appreciated. Uh, ooh, almost forgot to pull up DeMarcus Cousins as we leave yes. this thing. But uh, yeah, thank you all for joining us uh, for Frankie Cardicelli. My name is Chris Watkins. I am typing in DeMarcus Cousins rant on YouTube right now, and we will go out with the music stylings of one. Hold on. Is there going to be an ad, though? Is there going to be an ad before? No, there will not. DeMarcus Cousins. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Cousins, I bring you. Okay. Almost. Almost. Oh, hold on. I'm oh, figuring this oh. out. Oh, might have shut down the system. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. 
Oh, wait, there we go. Here we go. Frank, you and I are going to be able to hear got you ejected that was then rescinded. What What happened there? I've never seen anything like that. It's ridiculous. Oh, now, what's really going on out here? Because it's getting ridiculous. It's really ridiculous. But did it come out of your mouth accidentally? This might have just demonetized the video, but it's This is ridiculous, man. Ridiculous. Demarcus, their game plan obviously tonight was yes, to be man. physical with you and get in your head. You definitely yes, held your composure yes. throughout the game. How important was that for you guys to be able to pull out this man. win? That was light. Man. That was know, light, man. I know what their game scheme is every night. They're hyping up their big man over there. He thinks he's a stopper. It's not happening. I, I brought him back to reality. That was the best part to wow. me. I brought him back to reality. Anyways, on that note, everybody, enjoy the King's streak. On that note, everybody... Enjoy it. Thank you so much for joining us. Light Light that freaking bang.